Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to College Football Tailgate. Today is Wednesday, October 20th. We're recording on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. I'm your host, Will Chambers. With me as always, firing off the guns, Tyler Walgie. <laughs> Professional better. He's here. <laughs> Professor Smitty. What's up, boys? Professor Smitty. <laughs> Producer Smitty. <laughs> I got my doctorate. Professor Smitty. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start calling him Professor Smitty. <laughs> we're off to a hot start already. Uh, yeah, it's Wednesday. We, re- we normally record on Monday, so... You know, if you were freaking out, wondering where the podcast was, we had to push it back this week. I was uh, out of town, had to have some time to go back and watch the replays of College Triple. I couldn't actually watch on Saturday, mm. which was very painful for me. Where very were painful. you? Where were you? I was in California, uh, meeting the California, me- meeting some new people, and uh, having a great time drinking some wine. <laughs> It was beautiful. Sunshine Northern California. State. Okay, never so been. did you drink some wine? Did I you? drank a lot of wine. We were in wine country, Sonoma County. Uh-huh. Shout out Sonoma County. Okay. Uh, it was beautiful. Had a lot of good wine. Ate, uh, ate very well. Shout out the uh, whole Bernal family. Very good hosts. There we go. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it was super fun, but... I didn't get to watch football, and that was very mm. difficult for someone like me. I felt like a crack addict at one point. Well, like itching know, my you, neck. Did you wake up with withdrawals? Basically, <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. Wake up and I'm like Michigan. <laughs> and what was that? Oh no, well, I was having a dream. Thankfully for me personally, it was a bye week for Michigan, so I didn't miss like That's my right. team's games, but I missed all the other games and had to go back. And I got back. Sunday evening, started watching replays. Same thing through Monday and Tuesday. So that's why we had to push the podcast back. And I missed, you know, I missed a really good weekend of college football, Tyler. It was uh, a great weekend of college football. So first off, I forgot you were going to be gone. I was in the studio Monday at 5. No, yeah. you weren't. And I called Ryan and I said, hey, Will's out of town, isn't he? Because by that point, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm an <laughs> idiot. Not here. Yeah, so I was in the studio at Monday. So but you, you know ready what? to roll. It's okay. You know, that that's all good. No, it was a great weekend of football. I loved it. And let's be let's be honest. The, the picture for the playoffs and the teams who have a chance to win it, it's getting more and more clear every week. So that was my takeaway is... Okay, we learned a lot this weekend. Good, bad, and different. We know a lot more now in the top five, top ten than we did before. And it's not just because of, of, of this specific weekend, but we're starting at this point in the season to put the puzzle pieces together. But uh, you missed a lot, Will. You I missed did. some good football. I know, and the replays were fun. You know, it's it, it, it hurts. It's not like I could avoid seeing the scores. So it's different when you watch a game when you already know the outcome. The excitement level is gone, but it was cool to see how some of those kind of went down where I didn't know for sure before that. It's like uh, it's like eating an airhead when you know the secret flavor in advance. Mm. I mean, that's very that, relatable. That was, first of all, <laughs> poetic is what I was going to say is poetic. Yes. I haven't had an airhead in a long time. Airheads, they're out of control. They're classic. Yeah. That, that's a great candy. And we're getting into Halloween season, by the way. Mm, what's your favorite Halloween? We did this last year. We did. For, the, for the new audience, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, just, just top just favorite, top one. If I, the first thing that popped into my head was was a Kit Kat. Mm, I'm a Reese's guy. Yeah, me, me too. Okay, but I, so that's interesting. I like Reese's, however. Or a Sour Patch. I'm per- oh, Ooh, Sour Patch yeah, are good. Sour Patch. I'm very particular. <laughs> I, I really only like the mini Reese's Cups. Because I think the full-size ones, the ratio is off, and it's too much peanut butter <laughs> to chocolate. 
And I think the mini ones has a has a stronger ratio personally. We'll get the research team on it. Let's yeah. do that because I math. may dispute that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, we should do it. And you know, the other thing that I said we would do like a month ago and we never did that I still want to do, I just keep forgetting, is I want to take the Pepsi challenge because I, I feel oh, confident that so I can So on pick. this, I did what you told me to do. I tasted a canned Coca-Cola. They're all shit. Coca-Cola <laughs> is a terrible oh, flavor. man. Do you know what I would this rather is, have 10 times out of 10? Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper well, has yeah, an amazing taste. It's a great... Fansville. But College call, football. But my point here, <laughs> we shouldn't have to debate on this. Coca-Cola tastes like you're drinking a can of chemicals. Yeah, but they're it's, delicious it's, chemicals. No, no. I don't think they're... I, I don't I, think it I tastes have, natural. I, I know have, you can like clean your car battery that, with it, look, but, <laughs> but, it, it, <laughs> but it's delicious. Can. But that's not what I'm going for. I never strive for natural. Mm. When I taste something, you know, how much... You know, how natural is this? I just go on the taste. Hell... I'll eat those unnatural. What are they? Lemon heads? Those aren't made with real lemons, but I love them because they taste good. So no, Will, I reject this whole notion. They tasted bad. Interesting. I mean, mm. look, some men just want to watch the world burn, and and no, here, you not liking Coke or Pepsi. I can is pretty do this. Strange, I gotta my, admit, I can do this in my Michael Caine. You know, Batman. <laughs> some men, Batman. Just, some men just want to watch the world burn. You like yeah, that? yeah, very good. I mean, it it's true. You're the bad. Joker. You just mm-hmm. don't like. You only like. I mean, look. I love Dr Pepper. I have uh, one new impression, okay. and with my new impression, I have a recommendation for the audience. Okay. Ah. So my impression is prof- skip ahead, Professor Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know Professor Frank? Yeah. Ivan, yep. I'm gonna. Uh, calculating (laughs) okay so thank you so on the professor frank i have again halloween time it's late october great time of the year for the halloween buffs in the audience i have a recommendation now in 2021 not many people recommend the old Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror episodes, right? Oh, I love There's it. so many things to watch. There's so many different options. But I implore all the young listeners out there, go watch some old school Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. You're going to love them. Horror. Also, Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> was I, was that I that? But, Treehouse but, of Horror is something totally different. But also, one thing. So, so I have my favorite Treehouse of Horror recommendation. Okay. But also... For those who haven't watched The Simpsons before, and maybe you're, you know, when you're in your in your early twenties, mid twenties, and you've seen recent Simpsons episodes, the oh, show yeah. has completely changed. Yeah, I you got to go back. Oh my god, you got to start like season four though, really, because seasons one, two, and three are kind of not. Yeah, great yeah, yeah, either, yeah, de- yeah. No, definitely. But the early seasons until about season fourteen, fifteen, right? They're great, and oh, then they change. Incredible. So now, I mean, I watched one of the my girlfriend and I watched the most recent treehouse of horror from this year yeah and it was horror it was just terrible yeah it was horrible you like that huh. it, it was so bad i mean horrible. the jokes were flat i'm like <laughs> it sounded like you know my mom and sister wrote the episode not that my mom and sister couldn't come up with something good but it's not world-class comedy shout okay? out walgy family <laughs> all right sorry <laughs> sorry to throw you under the bus there bridge but but the point is you go back and watch simpsons from season 10 those are gold oh yeah they're, they're incredible classics. yeah okay so the best Treehouse of Horror episode is Treehouse of Horror 7, which is actually season 8, because they didn't start till a little bit later. So season 8, uh, Treehouse of Horror 7, which is V11, because they do it in the Roman numerals for of all Of course. Yeah. For the layman. 
<laughs> they're great. So the three, so uh, the Treehouse of Horror episodes in, the, in Simpsons, there's three mini episodes every episode. Yeah. The first one is Bart finds his Siamese twin in the attic. Love that one. Hysterical. Yep. Uh, the second episode is a take on a Twilight Zone uh, where Lisa grows a mini civilization and they all look at her as God. And then the third one, this was during the uh, Al Gore, uh, Bill Clinton. Oh, the election one. That yes, was the aliens. Where the aliens so turn good. into Al Gore and Bill Clinton so and, and start taking over the world. It's hysterical. The plot lines are great. So for anyone looking yeah. for an, a, a Halloween classic, Treehouse of Horror 7 on The Simpsons. Incredible. One of my favorites was the one where... Uh, where Homer gets Bart like a little crusty doll that turns evil, yeah. <laughs> comes alive and turns evil. And at the end, they just like the the like technician comes out and he's like, oh, you hit the switch on the backflip from good to evil. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so he flips the switch and then it's friendly. So yeah, love it. Simpsons yeah. is great. Yes. But uh, yeah, we are getting closer to Halloween. We got candy. And look, you know, they're already giving out candy in Tennessee. Uh, not really candy, but they are throwing mustard and other things on the field. Uh, <laughs> Golf balls. Yeah, I mean, look. I thought I, I saw my tee shot out there. Well, technically, it is trick or treat, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. And that was a trick. I mean, look, tough scene for, for Tennessee. I don't want to rag because I don't think this is some, like, I, I feel like a lot of people have, like, uh, completely jumped on, like, these Tennessee fans being, like, the trashiest fans or whatever. Like, I, you could go to any stadium in yeah. the country and see stuff like that. Absolutely. But it is a tough scene. And, frankly, like, t- Tennessee got screwed over in that game. There were a couple of really bad calls. One on where it was really loud and it should have been a touchdown and the refs, like, like there was no whistle blown and they conferred and said that his forward progress was stopped. That was ridiculous. I think they totally got screwed over on that one. I don't think the spot at the end was good, but who knows if they got it for sure. You know, I don't know if that's quite as indicative. Really tough for Tennessee. Still a great game overall. Um, a, a good showing by Tennessee. Like for, for where we thought Tennessee was going to be earlier in the year or at the beginning of the season, for them to be where they are now where they're competing with good teams, I actually think Tennessee fans should be really in a good place on where the program is. Yep. That was just like a kind of a, a heartbreaking loss, especially to Lane Kiffin, the guy who totally fucked him okay, over okay. when he left. I'm going a way different direction with this. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to pile on Tennessee, yeah. but you go to the game with a golf ball in your pocket <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're planning to use it for something. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was all these bad calls, bad calls. Where did the golf ball come from? I, okay, here's here's it's a night game. So that guy played 18 earlier in the day. That guy had a great day. <laughs> Good possibility. And he, and he just left the golf ball. He didn't, he didn't, he like he probably had a, Look, a marker maybe and a tee in there true. too. Maybe, <laughs> I bet. Maybe he played golf earlier in the day. But based on how many golf balls came raining down, and a lot of them, like Lane Kiffin said, were range balls. I loved Lane Kiffin. It, after it was that. a yellow ball, he which was actually t- is the biggest crime of all. If you play with a yellow ball, <laughs> then you're a suspect to begin with. Lane Kiffin was tweeting some amazing tweets. My favorite one, I actually retweeted on my own uh, Twitter at Tyler Walgie. If you want to give me a follow, shout out. Um, so I uh, uh, for 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 those who haven't watched Seinfeld, there's a great Seinfeld episode where George ends up pretending he's a marine biologist mm. and saves a whale inadvertently. The way he saves a whale, he gets on top of it and ends up pulling a, a golf ball out of its blowhole. So Lane Kiffin <laughs> posts on Twitter the part in the Seinfeld episodes where George pulls out the golf ball and shows everyone what he got. It was perfect yeah. because, yeah, I thought yeah, it was sure. such a is great that a title list? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except it was a yellow golf ball, which to me is just like, come on. You can't play with a but, yellow okay, golf let's ball. Let's rewind to this point, Will. Well, you're not going to throw the Pro V1. There's about 20, <laughs> there's about 20, 25 students who walked into the stadium with golf balls. 
Uh, no, I I think there was only like one or two golf balls. The majority of the stuff that got thrown was just garbage. I mean, but the funniest one was a, like a bottle of Heinz yellow mustard. But that's not as but, perplexing like, because at a lot of stadiums, what they do is they give you the dog and they say, hey, condiments right down yeah, there. Yeah, but that's like a gone. big jug. They don't just lit. I've never once seen just a loose. I think that person brought their mustard in from the tailgate. <laughs> no, yeah, they did because usually at, at those concessions, they have the pumps, right? Usually by the end of the game, the pumps are empty. Mm. So you got to bring your own condiments. Yeah. BYOC. Mm. BYOC. <laughs> Ryan knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brian Ryan I mean, for a look, reason. This is college football tailgate. We know how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just, look, it, it's not a good scene if you're a Tennessee fan. The SEC fined them like a half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars or something. Something big for for throwing all the garbage, throwing it at Lane Kiffin. I, I think they have a right to be pissed, pissed at the refs. I do think they kind of got fucked over by the refs. But that happens all the time and yeah there were some very big you know uh moments for those calls and if you're a tennessee fan you've been waiting for your team to be good for so long that you know all of a sudden now you feel like you're getting screwed over in a big win against tennessee or, or uh, Ole miss and and lane kiffin that i think you know that it's just not a, it's not a fantastic look but uh you know lane kiffin gets out of there alive and uh, big, big win for Ole miss i love lane kiffin i love what he's doing but uh i don't mean to kill any future leads here but uh are we going to talk about lane kiffin and potential lsu landing later or can we bring that up now let's bring it up yeah i mean look we'll we'll do it we got the week seven recap we're going to do some news we've got towers outdated movie reviews by the way we're doing the rundown late in the show right now on star wars but uh yeah star Star wars Wars. stay tuned yep we got uh week eight uh best bets of course but yeah so let's just get to the news then coach o fired he's i mean technically it's a mutual agreement but he was fired and he's going to be allowed to coach out the rest of the season and so now the question is who's going to go to LSU you know look the the whole story with this coach O firing I you know everyone if you've been listening to the show you know I just think he's so funny entertaining and that 2019 season you know it just totally turned me into a fan of his and of LSU's but now the stories are coming out about what it's been like since then coach O has been uh, now that he, you know, he, he became single after that national championship year, <laughs> he's been chasing some pussy as it turns out. Uh, sto- there was a story that he, he was tr- like at a gas station hitting on a, a chick and he was like, nice workout clothes. Like you look great. And she was like, Oh, he was like, maybe we could work out sometime. And she goes, Oh, well, I'm pregnant. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, why would that matter? And it turns out that she was the wife of a high ranking LSU official. So he was hitting on, you know, his boss's wife, essentially, at the gas station. There were stories that he was bringing. Can I can, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Americans, that's what money will do. Look at Ed Orgeron. Or fame. For that man to have the confidence to walk <laughs> into a gas station and hit on some chick... That's what money and fame That's will true. do. Well, we've seen <laughs> oh him. He's God. been he's been photographed with some hot, you know, young blondes since uh, since the championship. I think he got fame, he got money, he got success. He's a legend there in Louisiana. I mean, look, the guy looks like he's a weathered sea captain. He sounds like he's been hitting the head with a shovel every day of his life for the last twenty years. I mean, <laughs> and he's hitting he's, on he's, the hottest girls in the. He's Farmer Fran from the he's water. He's Farmer <laughs> Fran. He's Farmer Fran who looks like he's been on the sea for 60 years, and he's hitting on whoever he wants to at 7-Eleven. You got to tip your hat to that guy. I mean, what the hell? He was bringing girlfriends to practice, apparently, <laughs> and letting their kids take part in drills, like like stopping practice so the girlfriend's kids could like run uh, you know, the Oklahoma drill or something. What a world. Even though Louisiana is a different world in its own, you know, you ever spent a night in, in Baton Rouge, whew. 
I have not. Goodness. I want to though. I got to see a game there. But but yeah, I mean, look, replacements. We're, like you, you threw out Lane Kiffin. Mm. I don't see that as happening personally. Oh, I, I think Lane's right up there. I don't know. I think that he maybe has learned his lesson after seeing how the the Tennessee fans treat him. If he go, if he jumps ship and goes to LSU, all in the same division, you know, now he's going to be getting thrown at by two different <laughs> SEC teams. Going to be people are going to be throwing golf balls and mustard at him. You know, at two different schools, people are throwing Jimbo Fisher out there because Jimbo was on the LSU staff before, and he's said many times how much he loves LSU and the culture down there in Baton Rouge. He came out and said, "Look." He came out and said all those things. He said, I love LSU. I think it's great, but I'm happy at Texas A&M. And I actually believe him because typically when they, it's a place they love and they're trying and they are thinking about it, they'll just say, I'm not going anywhere or they don't want to answer questions. The fact that he was like, I love LSU. I think it's a great job, but I'm happy where I am. I actually believe him. Why do you believe him? I, I think that, you know, after leaving Florida State where it sounded like the problems that he was having there was that he wasn't getting the support from the university that he wanted and now he's at a place at A&M where they have like unlimited money as far as like how much they're they're going to put towards the football program the support from the school he has that there and I think he I, I think he'll remain at A&M and I think he's committed to that I don't think he's going to jump to LSU but I think some of the names that you could look at would be I mean a lot of people are saying Dave Aranda at Baylor because well, he was on, on that I, I don't want to move off this real quick yeah okay, hold those names this is exactly what Nick Saban said before he left LSU for Alabama. This is exactly what Mel Tucker said before he left Colorado. No, for no, no. State. This is exactly what Jimbo Fisher said before he left Florida State. Dude, I disagree. I have a quote here from, from Jim Fisher. Okay. I have no intentions of leaving Florida State. I'm very happy and content here. As you know, changes are made, but I'm happy where I'm at right now. Yeah, okay, but what he didn't say in there, what I'm saying the difference is, is that he didn't go and sing the praises of Texas A&M before saying that. He actually came. This is where it's different. Normally, when guys are thinking about leaving, but they're trying to like keep people off or not ask questions, they'll say great things about the school they're at and say, "I'm not leaving." He, the first thing he said in this interview when they asked him about the job at LSU is how much he loves LSU. He was like, "I love LSU. I think it's a great place." How sure you put there. a percentage on it? I'm going ninety percent. He stays at A and M. He's okay. not going ninety percent. Okay, hang on. Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay, I'm going to pull up. You know that all lines for those who don't know i'm a professional sports better all lines equal a percentage right 90 percent equals minus 900 mm -hmm. will you give me i'm asking you to cut this in half give me minus 450 so or plus 450 plus 450 that he leaves so uh, we have a bet board for however we can figure this or let's let's separate this from the bet board okay this is just for the show let's do it for money Okay, ten bucks for forty-five. Okay, if you win, I'll pay ten. Yep. If I win, you pay me forty-five. If he goes to LSU, if he goes I pay to 45. LSU, you pay me forty-five. If Jimbo Fisher stays at A and M, I pay you ten. Yeah, let's do it right now. Right, Done, that's it. Ryan. That's a bet. Bet hey, we're, we're recording. Last time I checked, so yep. No, that's uh. Do we have a little sound effect for the ching? Will it count towards the bet board too? No, no, no bet board. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I don't take any plus four fifties in the bet board. Yeah, that's true. That's but, a good point. But let's make this for. Are you okay with that? Is that too much? Forty-five? Like, should we do five or uh, like twenty? No, no. I, I, I'm very confident that because exactly what I'm saying is like when they are avoiding the question and they're trying to hide something, they'll just well, be like, I, "I'm happy where I am." I'll give you this. He went into detail. I have ranches. I have family. I have businesses. I have X, Y, and Z. Right. And he went into to details about why he loves LSU too. And I feel like if if he Look, was trying to to cover things up, he wouldn't have said that. Money solves yep. everything. Yeah. If LSU comes and talks to him, he says, I'm happy. 
Really? Nine million a year? You okay? What about 12 million See, a year? See, but I think he can get that at, at A&M too. I think if he just went to A&M, they'd say, how much do you need? And that's where it comes down to his motivation. I'm not sure what he's looking for at this point in his career. If you want to win, there's no better place than LSU. I mean, even if you're comparing them with Texas A&M, the only, the only programs in the country who I think are more equipped from a top level down to win right now yeah. are Bama and Clemson. I think LSU is right in the category. And I would even throw out there, now here's a curveball, okay? I would say, right now, the main debate on Fox, ESPN, what's a better job, USC or LSU? The reason I think it's USC, a couple reasons. One, USC, Southern California, has so many five-star recruits that leave. If you get a coach in there who can retain 25% of the talent in Southern California, you can have a top five class in a year, okay? For sure. On top of that, you're playing in a shitty conference with the Pac-12, a terrible conference, and look at how long of a leash Clay Helton had. You're not going to get fired after a couple losing seasons. There's there's no Alabama, Auburn that you have to beat every year. Yeah, no shit. To me, USC is the better job. What do you think? I agree. However, that being said, uh, you know, I mean, look, there's a wealth of talent at Southern Cal but for a lot of these coaches, they want this, the tougher challenge. They want to do it in the SEC where, yeah. frankly, I mean, there's more support for the school look, there look than at what, there is Look at what the California. great Mike Leach did. He left the Pac-12 and went to the SEC. The great Mike Leach <laughs> went to the SEC because he needed that challenge. Yeah, that's true. I'm Something I you. find interesting with the whole Jimbo situation, too, is even though he's under contract with A&M for quite a while, if he leaves, it's a clean break. There is no penalties on either side. Like Interesting. So he, he can go and... That's it. I think that that he, I, I think he actually is enjoying his time at A and M, and I feel confident he's not going to go. But I think that you look to another Texas school, to, and I think Dave Aranda might be the top name on the list. He was the defensive coordinator under Coach O uh, during the national championship year. Look at how good of a job he's doing at Baylor right now. I think that you could see him at the top of the list for sure. Another name to look for is Mel Tucker. We know that he's not afraid to leave schools. I thought you were going to say it. There, there, there's one correct name. I'm going to see if you say it. There's uh, one name in this whole list that is correct. Uh, who is okay. going to be. And this is the, in my opinion, the odds on favorite should be. Okay. I, I had three names written down. It was Dave Aranda, Mel Tucker, and Joe Brady. Yep. Yeah. The last one, Joe Brady. That's the name. Yes. Congratulations, Will. You hit it on the head. He's the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. Good job, Willie. He was the offensive coordinator at LSU for the National Championship game. Yeah, bring him. And he's really young and doesn't have head coaching experience. That's the only doesn't downside. Matter. Do, that's, I think LSU actually may like that. They get a break in the money. But here's the thing with Joe Brady. There's another piece of the puzzle because you're not a huge NFL guy. Not but, really. But recently, last two, three weeks, the story in the NHL or in the NFL, I'm out of hockey, obviously. The story in the NFL has been Joe Brady is being figured out. Defensive coordinators in the NFL are knowing what they Joe Brady's tape on as him. matter of fact as a matter of fact, the first freaking pass of the game last game, Sam Darnold threw a pick. The quote from the defensive coordinator, the D coordinator after the game. We knew where he was going. We knew exactly what they were going to do. Yep. I think Joe Brady is genius level in college, but he gets the NFL and he's another really good coordinator. So sure. this isn't just an LSU thing. I think Joe Brady's also saying, oh shit, LSU's open. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk. Yeah. So I think Joe Brady's really the favorite. I'd have some question marks as to who he would surround himself with because you know he didn't have that much experience even in college. He came from the Saints to, but don't you think to, LSU? So would how step is he going to recruit? I think LSU steps in, similar Hopefully. to my to my university, the University of Colorado. What they do sometimes with coaches is they say, "Hey, we'll get you a nice staff. 
you sit back and do what you do well. Yeah. So that could be the case too. LSU uses their uh, resources, gets a lot of good coordinators, surrounds them with some good people, and of course he may have a couple recommendations himself. But I wouldn't be as worried about that as uh, being an issue for but sure. I think Joe Brady's a favorite. I love yeah, Joe Brady, and I think be. he could he'd, he'd fit in great there. Well, Coach O's got a few more games left under his belt. Uh, you know, I, I think we could see LSU. Obviously, they they got the win against Florida, big emotional win. I do wonder how much of a factor that played in if maybe he told the players before the game just so you guys know because the, the the news came out that night basically or, or Sunday morning I can't remember but what we found out and I think that there's a good chance that you know there was more high emotional factor in that game for the players knowing that you know coach always going to be there by the end of the year I do think he's well liked by players regardless of how well he's coaching and how, how well of a job he's doing and so you know, I, I wonder how that will affect LSU moving forward, what their last game on the schedule is going to be. Can they get another upset under their belt just because the players may want to play up for their coach? Can I sh- uh, shift the focus slightly? Sure. And this, this may be off on a different tangent, so let me know if it is. But the fact that LSU beat Florida by a touchdown, Florida takes Alabama to the wire, we can do this all day, right? My point here isn't that it's so close between team in, you know, team A and team B. My point is... We can't make assumptions based on one week of results. And right. I think that's what, at this point in the season, a lot of college football fans fall victim to. Oh, look at look at Alabama. They barely beat Florida. And Florida lost to LSU. You can't do that. Yeah. Everything matters every game to, to, to make that individual game unique in its own. Sure. So I think that we shouldn't overreact to LSU beating Florida in terms of Florida's bad. Every game is unique. And we're going to have a discussion today. Teams who can win the championship. Let's remember that a win or a loss doesn't intrinsically change how good a team is, but the committee doesn't look at it that way. Yeah, so. for sure. And look, I, Florida can play a lot better. They had a lot of interceptions. I still think they're a very good team. I think that anytime you go to LSU, that's just a tough environment, regardless of sure. the year but, that but, LSU is having. But let me ask you a question. Yeah. This motivation you're talking about with, with Ed, uh, Ed Orgeron, how many points would you attribute that to? You know, I mean, would you say it's maybe worth a field goal or something? Because I yeah, argue especially with that. like in the, especially if he told them like we don't know what happened. If he told them before the game, if he told them after the game. You know, when we whenever we break down bowl games, we always talk about how motivation and, and emotion plays such an effect in bowl games, especially. And and I think just in college football, the emotion and and where the players' heads are at is so much more of an effect. And so you know, I don't know if, if that can carry over though for five straight weeks no, no, towards no, the end of the season. It can't. Right. But my point but in though that is. Game, yeah, probably a field goal or more. But my point is what a lot of people are doing is in a roundabout way diminishing Alabama because of this. Okay? Hmm. So Alabama plays a neck and neck game with Florida. Right. And Florida loses to an LSU team who's barely 500. So that's my point with this is I think my end goal in this sort of what I, in my comment is we shouldn't discredit Alabama. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, no, I, I'm not discrediting Alabama at all. I don't think that's a smart move. I think you're just kind of seeing what Florida's you know ceiling and floor is. The floor is that if they don't have a good game, they can go and lose on the road to a team like LSU in a close game and a shootout. And their ceiling is they can take one of the best teams in the country down to the wire and potentially win that game as well. Right. So when you incorporate floors and ceilings, Alabama may not be that much better than the best teams, but they're certainly not that much worse than the fifth or sixth team, you know? So, yeah, for sure. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that because I heard a lot this week, especially in national college football uh, podcasts, radio shows, articles. Well, look, what does this mean for the Crimson Tide? They right. Could, 
people Alabama's fine. Yeah, no, they definitely are. They're, they're certainly not as dominant as they were last year, but that's not a surprise. They were like one of the best teams ever last year, and so yeah. I don't think that's a surprise at all. I think until you start seeing a consistent uh, slide from Alabama, I think Alabama kind of lives in their own world, and sure. I think everybody nationally thinks about that. And I think, you know, major television networks, they're going to do that because it gets people you know, in an uproar. I yeah. totally agree, Clicks. but I would correct one thing you said. You said they're in a world of their own. Georgia is like the new kid at the table. Georgia's some... This year, Georgia's like the new weird kid in the room, right. and he's walked in, and it's like, now it's Alabama who's been here the whole time, and Georgia's kind of like lingering. Well, and I guess what, I, what, what I'm saying by what I just said is... Alabama's going to go as far as Alabama wants. Nobody else is going to hold them back as far as Definitely. committee or anything like that. So yeah. yeah, although maybe I mean who knows? We'll see. Georgia you know, too. For Georgia's that defense is so good, yeah, and their offense is 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 pretty good too. But I don't know if it's you know that that Georgia Alabama game when that happens, assuming it does happen in the SC championship game. Uh, will just be so interesting to watch. That'll be the game of the whole year, potentially. And look, Georgia just beat a really good Kentucky team. Kentucky does cover, but they beat Kentucky pretty easily. And that's, you know, Kentucky's a very good team. Georgia stays that number one slot right now. And it is fun to see a team that has such a dominant defense again, whereas I feel like over the last few years, it's been much more like who has the best offense and just like has a good defense to complement it. And now Georgia is kind of what we used to see in the SEC, where it's just like truly dominant defense and then, you know, solid offense around them as well. So this stat may surprise you or it may not if you know the Pac-12. The Pac- <laughs> All right, so Georgia on their defense, not on their team. You guys know the stat I'm about no, to say? Uh-uh. Okay. So on Georgia's defense, they have five, excuse me, they have nine five-star athletes that are recruited as five-star athletes, okay? <laughs> Georgia has nine five-star athletes on their defense. Yeah. Do you know how many five-star athletes were recruited to play in the Pac-12 in general? Offense, defense, both, every school. I mean, I feel like there's probably a few on offense and not many on defense outside Eight. of like Thibodeau. Nine. nine. <laughs> there insane. are nine five-star athletes in the Pac-12. Yeah. There are nine five-star athletes on Georgia's right. defense. Yeah, and that's insane, especially that's because California has so much talent. And like, frankly, that is crazy. if USC was like where USC should be from a talent perspective, they should have nine five-stars on their team alone, right? You know, maybe not nine on defense, but there's so many of those guys in California. It's such a talent-rich state. It's that just is crazy, incredible. though, that Florida's got, or excuse me, Georgia has nine yeah, on their defense. That's insane. The entire Pac-12. They're nine. so good. It's it's crazy. So they stay at number one. Cincinnati moves up to number two. They hammer Central Florida. They cover. Uh, and who drops out of number two? Iowa. They go down at home to Purdue, who's just had their number the last few years. And this is a tough, I mean, it's a tough way. It's not like they lost in like a 45-45 shootout. They lost and could only score seven points on offense against Purdue. And, you know, I, I felt like this day was just coming. That's why last week when we did the award show, I did give Iowa the uh, the award of, what was it, like uh, something bad is, is coming around the corner or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and I didn't think it would happen this week for sure. I didn't think it was going to come that quickly. But I just knew that Iowa wasn't as good as, you know, that number two ranking. It doesn't mean they're not a good team. I still think they are. But I don't think that they can compete with 
who are really the top teams in the country. I, yeah. I dropped them about four points. So they got yeah. four points worse based on my ratings. They're now number 11 in my power ranking. That well, seems and, fair. And something I brought up last week as well regarding Iowa is they go as far as their defense goes, as far as turnovers go. Didn't force any turnovers last week. There and, you go. And they turned the ball over four times, I believe. Yeah. yeah um, and uh, the quarterback, he had three, three picks in yeah. the last four minutes. Yeah. And so... Dude, that's a rough way to go out. That's a really rough way. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, look, that, that's tough I mean, tough you're trying to come back. But it's still a good year. They're still a very good team, and I think they still, you know, win the the Big Ten West. But you know, they're going to have to play like the best game yeah. of the whole year if they want to even compete with Ohio State, who I think comes out of the, of the East. So tough for uh, for Hawkeye fans out there. Oklahoma, though, Oklahoma looks like Oklahoma finally. Caleb Williams gets the start. They bench Rattler five touchdowns in his uh, in his debut. That's the most ever for an Oklahoma quarterback in their debut. Rattler's definitely benched, and as you guys pointed out to me just today, it turns out he removed his his Instagram bio used to say quarterback at University of Oklahoma. Now it just says quarterback. Is he going to hit that transfer portal? We'll yeah, see. This is but, the era we live in. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't. <laughs> it makes me dislike him more. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> for you, no reason. You face a little adversity and you're leaving, but I don't necessarily blame him. I mean, no. the writing's on the wall. Williams is going to get the start. Yeah, but where does he go? Colorado. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. where you'd like him to go. Here's the thing, though. No, he'll they, go to like Clemson. Yeah, he'll or go somewhere. I'd be, or... I'd be a little wary of. Oh, Miami could definitely be the spot. I could see that. Yeah. I'd be a little wary of bringing him in. I know, look, he's super talented. We saw what he's capable of last year. But the thing that worries me is that he's the first guy that we've seen actually have like a regression in Lincoln Riley's yeah. system. Not to mention, it sounds like, you know, maybe he's got issues as far as like in the locker room goes yeah. where he doesn't have a lot of the teammates' support. And that kind of worries me. Is he going to come in with a big ego and just struggle more? If you can't do well in Lincoln Riley's system, then you know what are you going to do when you go to a place where it, the offense isn't just perfectly fit for a quarterback to begin with? Yeah, well, I think he's getting some a good taste of humble pie right now, and that could yeah. be the best thing for him, honestly. Yeah, exactly. True. Change the whole attitude. Very yep. true. But Oklahoma, man, this is what we expected Oklahoma to be all year. And it's funny because this Caleb William dude starts in week seven. He's already in like the top six for Heisman voting right now, or, or Heisman odds, which I don't think he'll get there. But they look they look immediately like a playoff team to me with this new quarterback. They look so much better. The team is playing better on defense, and I don't see them losing to anyone the rest of the way out until they get to the playoffs. And this looks like the Oklahoma team that we thought we'd see before the start of the season. I mean, they were only a, a tweak away. Like we said before, Lincoln Riley's done a great job keeping them on the, on the same page, keeping them playing, you know, winning football when they haven't played their best. And it has been the quarterback. It's been everyone else doing their job except for Spencer Rattler. So, you know, this doesn't really... I guess what surprises me is that they went right back to being so efficient. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it'd be more of a process, but... Well, and you know what's what's crazy, too? I I may have mentioned this on previous episodes, but um, Caleb Williams didn't play at all his senior year because of COVID. They didn't have a football season. No shit. At his high school. In high school? In high school. Didn't have a football season his, his last year in high school. What a stud. Didn't play, enrolled early into Oklahoma, and takes over the, the starting job by what now? Is it week seven? Week six? Week seven? Yeah, Takes over seven. the starting job. Yeah, and he, it's, I it's saw a cool him, story, man. He tweeted out, he like retweeted some Oklahoma posts about the offensive line and was like, those are my guys right there. And like, I think he's immediately doing the things that maybe Rattler wasn't that was bothering the teammates. Yeah, for sure. So he's already being, you know, potentially a better teammate. 
and he's just playing better flat out, which is the most important thing. Right. And it's funny because I had been defending Rattler for weeks, saying like yeah. the people that are calling to bench him don't do that. And um, you know maybe that's just because I feel like in, usually when that happens, when the star quarterback isn't playing well and the, and the fans are desperate for the backup, right. it doesn't go well and it's not as good as you think. But in this case, it clearly was the right decision and I couldn't have been more wrong. Right, yeah. And, and clearly it's all speculation. You know, we don't know what's going on in that locker room or, or what it's like you know for inside sure. the locker room. But obviously, you know, the proof's kind of in the pudding from yeah. what we've seen the last for couple sure. weeks. Where there's smoke, there's fire. But Oklahoma looking really good. And Oklahoma State, big win on the road against Texas. Texas is not back. <laughs> and Tyler gets the bet board victory. He's now up 7-5. to five. There we go. Attaboy. That was a super entertaining game. Look, right now, Texas might be the best first quarter team in the country. And then they just they get up on teams. The, the, uh, the game plan by the coach comes out great. And then all of a sudden, things just start slipping, and Oklahoma State sort of chipping back away. Huge play uh, in, in the second quarter there where Texas was up 17-3, uh, and they looked like they were about to score. Casey Thompson throws a pick six. That changes everything. Oklahoma State now has the momentum. They get down, get into their field goal before halftime. Now, all of a sudden, it's 13-17 instead of what could have been potentially 24-3. to yeah. That was a huge moment for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State just never gave up, kept fighting. The defense is great. A lot of talent. And, but that's uh, what happens. I feel like every single football game, we can go back to a pick or a fourth down or a touch. That's what happens in football. For like, sure, that's what we bet on. We don't. Yeah. That wasn't some fluke. No, that yeah, was definitely the not. game. That's what happens. I mean, at some point we're gonna have to go. Wow, Texas is really good in the first and second quarter, and then they blow it. Yeah. So no, that's exactly what I'm saying. That may be part of just who Texas is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, they they clearly clearly Sark has a, a great job of breaking down film and coming out with a. A, a, a game plan on offense, right? But the defense is not good enough yet. They're giving up massive plays, chunk plays on the ground, through the air, and the the offense just seems to sputter out, and it's, it keeps doing this week in and week out. But I, I think that that is a fundamental thing that we need to look for because I think Sark in Texas does a great job, like you said, getting ready for the game, but then they don't know what to do mid-game. Definitely. It's kind of like for my uh, NFL fans out there, it's like the Baltimore Ravens. I heard yeah. this last weekend, Baltimore every week, they struggle first and second quarter because they don't know what the defense is going to do. Every defense they thinks they have the 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 sol- the solution for Lamar Jackson. We're going to do some crazy thing in the line. We're going to do some crazy thing in safety. It takes Baltimore like two quarters to say, oh, here's what they're doing for Lamar Jackson. Here's how we beat it. And then they win. Yep. So it's the opposite for Texas. They come out and do a great job. And then when the other team makes their adjustments, whether it's OU or Oklahoma State, they can't make another adjustment on top of it. So that is a problem. And frankly, Sarge has done that throughout his whole career at USC, at Washington. I mean, wherever. For sure. That's been an issue. So Yeah, they got to get the defense better. And you're right. They, they have to figure out a way to maintain the game plan or make better adjustments or whatever it is. They're clearly a talented team. I mean, Bijan Robinson, like it's a loss for Texas and he shouldn't be the highlight. But like he's incredible. He had 135 rush yards. 38 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He just looked incredible. And I, I just feel like, you know, yeah, they're, they're definitely not where they need to be. If if Sark can continue to recruit and he can get that defense together, the next few years, this is going to be a, an extremely dangerous team on the right. national landscape. But right now, I mean, Mike Gundy is just couldn't be more underrated week in and week out. I bet against him. I was, I was wrong. I've done it many times. 
And they have a huge game this weekend. Of course, we're going to be breaking down against Iowa State, where they're underdogs again. And you know, wow. it, it seems like insane to pick against them right now. And the whole state of Oklahoma, like football, just crushing it. The, uh, I mean, if that Stillwater game happens and they're both undefeated, that that game will be ridiculous. No, definitely. I mean, I wish there was someone on the show who gave Mike Gundy credit enough, you know, ever. <laughs> Tyler's but. definitely been the guy singing his praises for for more than just this season. Yeah. So, uh, so I did look up. Ryan said the proof's in the pudding. So I looked up the origin of proof in the pudding. Mm. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is in the 14th century. Back in the 14th century, no one was talking about the kind of sweet, creamy pudding confection, uh, uh, confections that we now mostly box or sell in the containers. At, is this uh, a penthouse article? <laughs> sounds like it. Or sell in the containers at grocery stores. Puddings in the 14th century were literally gutsy. They were essentially sausages, usually mixed of minced meat, cereal, spices, and often blood, stuffed into intestines or stomachs and boiled mm. or steamed. In the Middle Ages, they could be very good or very bad or possibly fatal. But to find out, you had to taste it, a.k.a. the proof, whether you die or not, is in the pudding. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so you so had to eat it to see if you like, Yeah, that's how we know if <laughs> it's good. That's what it means. We make like the guy at the bottom of the totem pole eat the, so eat the sausage. is it contaminated? Is it not? Hey, proof have you ever the had pudding. Bl- Why don't you have some, Steve? I've had blood pudding before. Oh, there hey, there used to be this great English bar here in Denver called the Three Lions, and they would do like, you could go there and watch Premier League soccer at five in the morning. Wait, blood pudding or blood sausage? But it's called blood pudding, but it's kind oh, of really? the same thing. Oh, okay. And so, and you could get, you could go at five in the morning, get a beer, get an English style breakfast and watch <laughs> Premier League soccer live, right? That's and blood right. pudding was on the menu. And I remember trying it being like, yeah, I mean, it tastes like sausage if you took out all the good parts, but it's not like the worst <laughs> thing in the world. It just okay. doesn't have a lot of flavor. Okay. So. And you obviously didn't keel over, so. No, the proof is in the pudding. Yes, it is. Uh, college football news. We talked about Coach O on his way out. Nick Rolovich also fired. Uh, just happened this week because he wouldn't get vaccinated. It's a Washington State rule. We're not going to get too political. We'll leave that to Clay Travis. This is his wet dream for sure. Uh, those two things uh, mixing. But, I mean, look, tough for everyone involved, for the players. It, it sucks, especially for the players, because like Rolovich seemed to be pl- having those guys playing pretty well up at Washington State. The last couple weeks, they got some big wins. They were playing well for him. It seemed like the players really like him, and he was doing well there. And and you know because of his personal choice, you know respect it. Uh, you know I'm I'm not going to tell you what what to do with your you know your beliefs or your body or whatever. But you know unfortunately that's the no, world this, we, we live in now I, where I there's a state agree. like that. And this you know. is just the consequence. And, yeah. and I won't get political, but. It, it, well, this may be political, but whatever. I, I think it's funny that some people are saying with this whole thing, they're taking our freedom. It's like, no, no, no. You are totally have the freedom to not get vaccinated, but your employer then has the freedom to say you can't work in this environment. Or just, yeah, or like the state. You know, I mean, what, whether that's to be the state should be allowed to mandate that, whatever. State, that's, employer. It's, it's, exactly. it's, it's different in every situation. So that's the thing is he was completely, I respect his choice. I'm glad he did what he wanted to do. Right. And I'm glad that he took a stand, you know, but that's, that's what comes with it. And he, he probably knew going in yep. that was going to happen, but you know, th- that's what this comes down to. I think everyone has the right to make their own decisions and I respect whatever anyone chooses, but there's going to be consequences. Yeah, for sure. And now Washington state needs to hire a coach. So we got Washington state, we got LSU, we got Southern Cal. Who else? Who are we forgetting that has to hire a coach at the, by the end of the off season? Um, but now you're in the best part because you're early on. They can already be making calls to people. You don't want to be late in the process. I don't think there's any other big okay. pro- high-profile schools. Those are the three. Yeah, so. any way that we know right now. I mean, obviously yeah. things can happen after the year. So. Yeah, of course. But yeah, Washington State, it's t- tough for the players. So that sucks for them. Uh, Florida, 
the state of Florida has no teams in the top 25 for the first time since 2011. That's wow. pretty incredible. Wow. With Florida losing to LSU, they drop out. Central Florida's not there. Florida State's not there. So that's a pretty incredible stat. And then finally, Urban Meyer update. He, <laughs> he got a win finally. He got a win, but it was in London, so I don't know if it counts. You know, it, it, Does a win overseas in, in foggy London town count? I don't know. How does how does the euro translate to dollar? Maybe we should give him the whole... Well, if he was playing football in, in England, then really he got to win in soccer and not in football. <laughs> so it doesn't count. Uh, also, just a personal conspiracy theory. I think mm. Urban leaked the Gruden emails to get all the pressure off of him <laughs> from you know oh, him, wow. him grinding on, on a hot young chick yeah, at the bar. So, I like that. You know, that's my conspiracy theory. Is that's, that that's nice. Ur- Urban has... He's still got connections in media. He leaked it all out and he said i got something to, i gotta have the spotlight off of me right now i think will's on to something yeah i like it yeah. um mm. okay tyler uh, yes. you want to talk your teams that can win the title right now i've done this all season i started out with a pretty meaty list teams who have a legitimate shot to win the national championship i have now broken it down to four teams and there's tier one and tier two mm. tier one georgia alabama tier two Ohio State, Oklahoma. I don't think there's anyone else who fits into the picture. And the way I did this, in my rankings, I'm giving you a shot if you're going to be within a touchdown favorite to Alabama or Georgia. Okay? Gotcha. Today, if if we, they played today, I would have, and frankly, Georgia and Alabama are pretty much dead even. Yeah. I mean, they are dead even in my rankings. Okay. So I'd have Ohio State about a six-point underdog on a neutral field. Okay. And I'd have Oklahoma about a seven-point underdog on a neutral field. Then my next best team is Cincinnati. I'd have them about 11-point underdogs on a neutral field against Georgia or Bama. So based on my point spreads, I don't have any teams within a touchdown of the top two except for Ohio State and Oklahoma. Now, if you fast forward look to the end of the season, if Georgia beats Bama in the, in the SEC championship – it's extremely likely Alabama won't be in the playoff, right? I mean, isn't that what we're assuming? If Alabama oh, has yeah. two losses... Two lo- they're definitely not in. So if that's the case, and maybe Cincinnati or another team gets in, I still don't think because they're in, they have a shot to win. I don't care whether it's Cincinnati or anyone else. I believe right now there are only four teams who have a chance. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, OU. Okay, that's interesting. And look, I think you're probably right. It comes down to those four teams ultimately. I think those are, you know, although in, in order for Alabama to get into the playoff, they have to beat Georgia, and then both of them get in. And then I think you probably do see Ohio State and Oklahoma as the other four. Unfortunately, Cincinnati is going to be undefeated and get left out. However, if Georgia beats Alabama in the SC Championship game, Cincinnati then gets in, I think, at the four spot. And even though I don't think Cincinnati would have a shot at beating Alabama because they're different teams, like Georgia is a heavy defensive team. And, and frankly, I mean, look, they're good on offense, but we haven't seen them play you know, or score a lot of points on a truly dominant defense yet. Maybe you can say that about Kentucky on Saturday. But there, there's a part of me that we saw Cincinnati play Georgia very close and frankly could have won that game in the bowl game last year. Those two faced off. There's something that tells me that Cincinnati has a shot. I don't think I wouldn't pick them to win, but I'd I would say they have a shot. If it was Cincinnati four, Georgia one, I could see it as maybe being possible. Well, look, I have Cincinnati number five in my rankings, and I have Cincinnati again about 10, 11 points worse than Georgia and Alabama. But it's a different scenario. If you would have put last gate last year's game 
with Georgia and Cincinnati in a playoff in the national yeah, championship. No doubt. No it's doubt. so different. I agree. It's the yeah. same thing as Utah beating Alabama in 2007 and every other matchup since then where it's a big time school who's underperformed. For so, sure. I, look, I agree. And at, at last year when that happened, everyone was saying Georgia didn't care about that game. I still right. think that on the field, Georgia was playing hard and it seemed to me like they wanted it's it. It's hard to tell. You you're right. You're, tell. you're definitely right. But what at least tells me is that Cincinnati, the players would go into that game feeling confident and they wouldn't. I don't think they'd be scared against Georgia. No, I think Alabama has too much offensive well, firepower. Look, for them, I will but. say this. Like I said, I've got Georgia better than Clemson, Oklahoma State, Pitt, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. So there's something to be said. And I think I've said this a lot this year. I believe Cincinnati has the kind of roster that can win. Yeah. So I think they're really good. I, I still believe Cincinnati is underrated from just an average fan point of view. I can't wait till the college football playoff committee comes out with their rankings to see where they have Cincinnati. Does that come out next week? I think it's sure. usually week nine when we get the first uh, or week eight or week nine when we get the first playoff ranking. So Let's see. that'll be interesting. And look, I'm just glad that RJ Young's not on the uh, playoff committee because I don't know if you saw his bullshit clickbait stuff rj young i've talked about him before he's some fox sports college football analyst that i mean he's just skip bayless or you know i mean he's even more clickbaity than paul feinbaum he gave out his rankings after saturday and he had uh utsa that's university of texas san antonio ranked ahead of alabama because they're undefeated (laughs) so that that, that goes to show you what kind of a clickbait like dipshit this guy is well i would like to look up utsa i don't think i have in my top 50 well they are ranked in the top 25 because they're they're seven or no they're ranked 20 Can I take a quick minute to talk about something? Yes. Do I have a quick minute to talk about? Talk about it. You got a quick minute. This is, I want everyone to listen because this is so important. Fans in America for college football can be so stupid. Okay. And I don't mean to demean anybody out there. Okay. And I don't mean to, (laughs) to alienate anyone, but I look at things differently as a sports better in terms of numbers and data and analytics. Okay. Now that's not always the key. It's not like I just operate in this world of numbers. And I don't watch football. You have to do both. Sure. But there is a glaring paradox of wins and losses. Okay. Now here's the thing. How much better or worse do we think teams actually get after a win or loss? Nothing changes with the actual team. Everything that changes is our perception of the team, right? Yeah. If, if if LSU goes out and beats Florida by a touchdown, and we all go, oh, I guess I was wrong, Florida sucks. Okay, maybe we were wrong because it's not like wins and losses don't tell us anything. If you're a, if you're a great team, you win the game. Okay, but there's a lot that happens. There's turnovers. There's schematic things that you can't take advantage of. There's some players who may get sick on the bus, who may eat something the night before. You never know. So for all of us to take one win. One loss, which most of the country does, i.e. your guy who had UTSA of Alabama, it's not about wins and losses. It's about how good the team intrinsically is. And this changes all the time. I mean, if Iowa, and I know they lost by a lot, but let's say they lost by three, okay? There's going to be a lot of people out there who say, I told you so. But if they win by three, now those people are suddenly shut up? No, no, no. You still told them so. It's like if a team's losing by two, and their kicker hits a 60-yard field goal to win, do we now think great of that team because they got the win when it really came down to the kicker making a 60-yard field goal? Nothing changes about those teams. What changes is how we look at these teams. Now, let me bring this to an analogy, Will. You like golf, I like golf. Love golf. If Ryan made a line for you playing golf, okay, and he's never seen you play before, but he makes a line, 
and then he watches one round of you play golf, and then he changes the line. Is that next line going to be more accurate because he watched you play one round? Who freaking knows? Maybe you had a rough game. Maybe you played above your level. Maybe you played below your level. Maybe you played someone like me who's not that great at golf, and you did great and dominated, or maybe you played somebody like a, a amateur. Like me. Like, or, or <laughs> like, like Ryan, who's got a five handicap, and you look terrible, right? You're the same golfer. Nothing has changed about you. But there's been a lot that's changed based on how you're feeling that day, who you're playing, the kind of course you're playing on. So to think that now we can make these all these rationalizations and generalizations about you as a golfer, we saw one freaking game. We saw now if you play next week and you play me, and you play the week after you play a pro, there's different aspects of every week. So that's my point with sports betting and just trying to, not just sports betting, but trying to accurately rank and project any of these teams. You may have never bet a game in your life. Who cares about betting? It's about accurately saying, I think Iowa should be here. I think UTSA should be here. It's not about wins and losses. Now, at the end of the Unless day... Unless you're RJ Young, yes. At the end of the day, I understand it's important. If you want to compete for the national championship, you have to have wins and losses, but it's almost a paradox. And that is why... I think I can make money as a sports better because I don't get caught up in, oh, they lost last week, they're bad. Oh, they won last week, they're great. There's so much more that goes into it. So I guess my point is for the audience, you know, if you take one thing away from this, understand, I get it. When our team wins, it feels great. When our team loses, it feels horrible. But sometimes you have to look past that and say, maybe it's just our perception that's greatly changing because you know what? It's the same team week one, week three, week five, week seven. Amen. I love it. Speaking of perception, Tyler... We got your uh, outdated movie review. Oh, boy. Tyler's outdated movie reviews. It's back, and you watched Star Wars A New Hope, right? Uh, I watched episode one. Is that A New Hope? Oh, no. So you watched... So what I'm doing when I watch Star Wars, because I am a No, this is what we talked about, Tyler. No, you said on the show, watch whatever I want. You're like, oh, that's right. Yeah, that is true. So what I decided to do was I'm going to watch episode one, two, three, four, five, six, like like in chronological order, not the order that it came out. Well, technically... They were. You're right. They were chronological from well, from production. I, I mean, yes. chronological in terms of the story. Oh, so man. I want to watch one because I don't want to go into episode four. But that's how it starts. That's how you. That's the Star Wars experience. So maybe that's the case. But I, in my mind, I was like, I want to see the story of Star Wars told out from A to A to Z. Okay. And so to me, it made sense to watch episode one because that's episode is that one. The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm, the Phantom Menace. But that's when everything is supposed to start. Okay. So that's where I started. You know, I don't think that's no, that that's fine. Outrageous. Give you a review of Phantom Menace. Okay. I like it. So, I'm going to give an honest... And, and, and for Star Wars fans, this is not going to be an actual movie review because I'm not going to make it boring. I know you've all... Most people have seen this. But there were a lot of things that I found surprising. Now, to, to clarify for those listening, I went into watching this as a complete 100% Star Wars virgin. I didn't know anything. Now, I knew a few things. I knew from pop culture there was a... Uh, uh, what's uh, the the Jedi? I'm your father. Oh, uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. I knew there was mm-hmm. Darth Vader. Uh, I knew there was like a Darth Maul from a video game. Mm-hmm. I, I played a video game with Darth Maul. Uh, Luke Skywalker, who actually wasn't in, in the first one, and so I knew a couple characters, but I really I knew nothing about Star Wars. I didn't even know what the movie was about. Right. Okay. So one thing I learned, and I <laughs> thought was really out there and interesting, and completely bizarre. The entire saga is is based on taxes. The entire thing started because some people are taxing a trade route. Mm. That's Star Wars. Taxes. 
Duh. It taxes everything. The entire... Well, how many the movies The almighty there? dollar. Are there like eight movies? Nine. There's nine well, movies. Nine plus. Nine, and it nine all in started the story. because of a fucking tax dispute. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. This is Star Wars? Well, wait it's a over minute. taxes? Every every great, uh, you know, political, geopolitical movie, It's all they're always motivated by money. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. What I think happened is after listening to the verbiage and the language they used, what I think happened, and I think I'm onto <laughs> something here, I think George Lucas had a normal movie about like America, maybe China or Russia, whoever it was, with trade, and they got taxed, and they went to war, and he goes, this isn't exciting enough. Let's put them in space, because there's one area in the movie, there's one part of the movie where they're escaping from a planet, and, they, and something is wrong with their hyperdrive, and what they say is, hey, uh, we got to stop at the nearest planet. Our hyperdrive is leaking. <laughs> I'm going... Wait, they can't say malfunctioned, it broke down. It's leak up. Maybe hyperdrive is a leak. The is oil a liquid. I guess it's a liquid like oil, right? I guess it's like their Could oil be. space. It's so stupid. Ah, the hyperdrive is leaking. Here we are. I don't change our hyper. And Back to the Future was garbage. Just Doc Brown in your dumpster. I'm not <laughs> saying Back to the Future should be uh, something you look for here. I'm just saying I thought it was so funny. They're like, I expected more technological okay, things. But they're in space. <laughs> they can travel planet to planet. Naboo is apparently so so far out there they have to go you know light years and light years but apparently there's some sort of barrier to where the the republic is like uh we can't reach that far we have no idea what's going on out there can't you pick up a fucking phone okay wait, 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 what wait. are we doing here they have intergalactic travel these people are so advanced but their hyperdrive is leaking and they can't, they don't know what's going on a planet over. Oh, we, we don't have access over there. Yeah, but this isn't even what, see, this is the problem with you starting exactly. with episode one is that when you start in episode four, like the way, because they made the first trilogy starting episode four, you're, the idea is that you're watching episode one already knowing things about the Star Wars well, universe. My point isn't that I didn't know about the Star Wars universe. My point is you shouldn't say the hyperdrive is is leaking. <laughs> well, that's, you should that's, say that's it, one very particular that's detail. So, but, oh, oh, yeah. Your, your review of Minority Report wasn't harsh <laughs> at all. I mean, give me a break here. The hybrid is leaking. Like, say it's malfunction. A chip did some... It's leaking? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, is this some mechanical... that I didn't get that at all, okay? So that that's the first thing. I, that's Maybe it's not my issue of watching episode one before episode four. Maybe uh -huh. that's my issue of watching in 2021 because we are so advanced that sure. I expect these things to keep up yeah. with the advancement. And we know that if you're going to have the technology capable of reaching like Pluto... You're not going to have anything leaking in space, okay? Let, let's put that out there. And you're not going to say, uh, what's going on over at that planet? Well, sir, we don't know. We can't reach that far. That's out of our communication. It's like, no, you can pick up a phone and see what's going on out there. This is we'll very see. legitimate. But okay. So now that I'm done with my... That was my kind of criticism. It did okay? take place in, in a galaxy in a time long, long ago. Yeah. So it actually is in the past. Where they're taxing... Just saying. Where they're Maybe taxing, they didn't have a phone, Tyler. Where they're taxing trade routes. And that's what's going on. So, it has nothing to do with taxes. It has everything to do with taxes. No, it's about the good versus evil, the force versus the... It's about Jedi versus that's what, Sith. That's what emerges from it, but everything is boils down to taxes. Everything <laughs> started because of fucking taxes. That's true. Do you want me to read the opening thing? I actually wrote it down. It's, quote, the taxation of trade routes in dispute of all of... And I actually wrote... I, I, that's all I quoted, but is yeah. it, that's what started. It was a dispute. That's like the screen scroll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how everything in Star Wars started. There was a dispute, and they were taxing a trade route. Mm. The tax was too expensive, so they decided to cut off uh, all supplies to, to Naboo. Mm -hmm. Then the people on Naboo said, well, this sucks. We're not getting any more supplies. 
let's go to war and let's start. That's how it all starts. So maybe it's good Money. to receive all that. It's all about taxes. So that's just, I'm like, I was blown away. I'm like, this is what it's about. This is Star Wars. It's taxes. But honestly, I thought it was a really good movie. Oh. I liked it. I followed it. I love Jar Jar Binks. I had to turn <laughs> Controversial statement. I had to turn on the, uh, the subtitles. Why is it controversial? Because everybody, everybody hates, hates Jar Jar Binks. Binks. Allie hated him too. <laughs> Allie goes, I thought he, she goes, he's so, cr-. Allie's my girlfriend who plays and all. He, they're like he's so creepy he's so weird and like uh, I found him very endearing he just kept he's just kind of clumsy he, he is kind of clumsy yeah yes. but why do people not like Jar Jar Binks well because like they felt like when they well, first of all everyone Are you ruin anything in the following no no no, no, no no everyone loved the original trilogy right when it came out in the, in the 70s right the episodes 4 5 and 6 and then when the prequels came out pretty much Star Wars fans like uh, uh, roundly hated them and thought they were terrible and they felt like Jar Jar Binks was like Lucasfilms and Disney just creating a character to get kids into it that's and so, to sell toys, which is kind of that, true. Do you want to know why that's stupid? It's because what that was was a reaction to something they had never seen before. I read a, I read an article saying George Lucas waited to make episode four because CGI hadn't progressed enough sure. for him to get... So CGI got there. He wanted to get all these characters out. I, again, I'm watching it through the lens of 2021. Yeah. That was completely normal to well, me. The, I didn't see anything wrong with right, him. Right. He seemed very right. normal. No, right? he so catches think, more shit than, than he deserves. Yeah, I think, think that's part of the reaction. The, the original old school trilogy wasn't really catered towards children. And, and the second Jar Jar Binks came in, it, it felt like a money grab. Like, well, we got to get not just adults and Star Wars fans, but like kids But that's why these reviews are good is because I have a completely different lens on it. And I didn't see any of that. I thought he's kind of fun, kind of <laughs> endearing, kind of a dork, you know, but he's that sort of comic relief. That's sort of how I saw him. It's yeah. like, and that, that surprises me that everyone had that visceral Everyone hated Jar Jar Binks, yeah. That's but crazy. But that's okay. This well, is why and, we do the outdated movie reviews. And you have reviews. to think when the, when the first three movies came out, now you know those all those all those viewers that saw them you know were twenties late twenties thirties and now when the episodes one two and three come out now if you're only catering to that audience these people are in their freaking sixties and seventies yeah, like sure. there's no way that they're you're gonna get more fans yeah, see, yeah that's why that's what's so interesting is you guys still have that reaction yeah thirty you know all these years later you guys had that reaction. I'm watching it playing, and it's like, I didn't get that, not 1%. I'm like, right. why? Allie said that to me, and I thought it was a personal thing with her. I'm like, yeah. why didn't you like Jar Jar? Well, and, and, <laughs> and I was, I, I think episode one came out when we were probably, what, 10, Will? Yeah, we like were in that. elementary school. And see, I had seen the previous three, but I never had a problem. I, I As a kid, I never understood the problem with Jar Jar Binks as well, but right. that, that's what they were doing, was they were trying to get that generation It's just kind of cheesy a little bit, that's all. I, I think that's why people didn't like him. Okay. So speaking of cheesy, there was, <laughs> uh, again, I'm not done ripping on it. There was one part in the movie where Anakin, who I, I did based on process of elimination, spoiler alert for those who don't know, I realized <laughs> that he's Darth Vader, right? Because yeah. he says, Luke, I'm your father. And I, I, I realized that Luke Skywalker is his son. Yes. So, okay, he must be Darth Vader. But there's a point in the first episode where Anakin is showing all of his friends his like little racing machine. The pod racer. The pod yeah. racer. And all of his friends are kind of unimpressed. And one guy goes, yeah, this isn't cool. Hey, guys, let's go play ball. <laughs> and he says, let's go play ball. And I'm thinking, baseball? We're going to go play baseball, <laughs> basketball on, on this planet out there. Like, what is that? So that's my whole thing with George Lucas taking a movie that was written, I think, for like America and Russia and just changing all the names to planets. <laughs> but he didn't change. Oh, the hyperdrive's leaking. Oh, let's go play some ball. It's like, there's a lot of l- lazy details in there. It's like, let's shore that up. For sure. Just say, hey, let's go play fling flong. Like, that sounds better on a, on a distant planet than let's go play some ball. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, 
But uh, again, I thought a lot of the issues were kind of... Uh, it, it was in, interesting. It was entertaining. I liked the movie. I would recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. And I probably will watch episode two and beyond. Oh, man. That'll be a very interesting like case study to, to, to go the whole way through when you haven't seen... Yeah. Especially going from like... Yeah, a somewhat modern day CGI, even though at that time CGI it looks like shit compared to now, obviously. Mm-hmm. But going from that back to like 70s where it's like real props. But that's what I want to like do. CGI, I just so watch it in the order. That, I dig it. Yeah. I, I look, I, I'm not uh, a big fan of the prequels. I didn't love that movie, mostly because I didn't love like the child version of Anakin like at that age. You know, I, I, no spoilers, obviously, but he gets older in the next movies and I kind of like that version a little better. But I loved Liam Neeson as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And, you know, you don't. Can we no. talk about Natalie Portman too? Oh, Whew. dude, yeah, Padme. Oh, drink her bathwater. You could pad, you could pad me too. Let me tell you, uh, I love it, dude. I love that I that I potentially got you into Star Wars. I mean, hey, I'm kind of into it. It was fun. I liked it. Oh, and, that's uh, great. Yeah, that's cool. Just again, didn't think it was all going to be based on taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you guys want to get up a tax bracket yourselves, work your way to the next tax bracket. I would sign up with BetUS. Brilliant. Okay, online BetUS.com. The reason BetUS is so good, they offer great lines on everything. Now, I can speak as a professional sports better. It's important to be part of different sports books because you want to shop around, see what different books are offering, different prices for, for different teams. The great thing about BetUS, they never charge too much. And what I mean by that is sometimes you get on DraftKings, BetMGM, and they're charging minus 115, minus 120 for some teams, just kind of ripping you off. The great thing about BetUS, they always charge fair prices. So no matter what you want to bet, whether it's college football, NFL, basketball just started. They've got great lines on everything. And it's not just what we talk about, the spreads, the over-unders. It's player props. It's which team will score first. You know, a great one I love in basketball. Yeah. Race to 10. Who will score 10 oh, first? Oh, that's a good That's one. always intense. My buddy in radio used to do that. And I swear, every game he had, his team was winning 9-8, playing defense every time, <laughs> every game. So it's so fun. They offer a lot of different bets. And you uh, you can be sure to get your money out. I think that's one of the most important things. For can, sure. You can get your money in easy. You know that. Make all the bets. Can you get paid when you win? You absolutely can with BetUS. Check them out online, BetUS.com. And remember to use promo code TAILGATE. That'll do a couple things. That, uh, first of all, lets them know we sent you. That does us a big uh, a big uh, favor and you know, lets them know that you guys are listening and that you, know, you want to support the show. But also, it gets you access to all their different bonuses. The main one, 125% sign-up bonus. So you put in 100. Before you know it, you've got another 100 in the sports section and a couple bucks in the uh, casino as well. So online, BetUS, promo code TAILGATE, makes money today. Love it. Love it. Uh, perfect segue into our best bets. We're breaking down week eight. Bit of a, you know, bit of a snoozer as far as like big matchups go this weekend, but there are some interesting ones from a gambling perspective, which I really like, and we're going to lead the way with the ACC matchup, Clemson at Pitt. Pitt, a three-point favorite at home, kind of an astonishing thing to think before the year that Clemson would be on the road, uh, an underdog to Pitt. Clemson, their offense has been horrible all year long. And I don't think they've cut. Can you check this tower? They either have only covered the spread once this year or they haven't covered it at all. Uh, they've been a horrible team against the spread. You know, Pitt, you look at Pitt too. Pitt's a team that's very underrated right now, flying under the radar, especially on offense. I bet you didn't think that Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh. Clemson 0 6. 0 6 against the spread. spread. That's astonishing. Uh, Pittsburgh offense 
is right now third in the nation in points per game. Wow. That's incredible. I when I saw that number, I said, What? That's insane. And you look, but you, I mean, look, you look at their schedule. They haven't played a defense at Clemson's level for sure. You, probably the most talented defense they've faced all year was, was Virginia Tech. And they did score on them. They won easily. But I don't know if that's quite to the level of Clemson at this point. Clemson, for all the struggles they're having on offense, their defense is very good. Pittsburgh's quarterback, Kenny Pickett, also kind of flying under the radar as a Heisman candidate. I don't think he'll win, but I think there's a chance he ends up in New York at the ceremony. He's got big numbers right now. And if Pitt continues to win games, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. So to me, this this question is, how can Pitt score on this Clemson defense at home enough to separate? Because we know Clemson's offense is is bad, and I don't think they're going to be able to score a lot of points here on Pitt. So can can you know Pittsburgh get to 20, 21, 24 points in order to cover the spread? Ultimately, I think they do. If I'm going to lean one way, I'm certainly not going to take Clemson on the road plus three when they're 0-6 against the spread, especially with a team like Pitt that is motivated, is playing well. They're, they're ranked right now, and I think they want to keep you know keep this thing moving. If I didn't have this game at exactly three where the number is, I would make this bet board game yeah. because of what you just said. They're 0-6. They're... No team is going to go 0 and 12 against the spread in the season, especially Clemson. At some point, the market's going to catch up. Yeah, and they're finally an underdog too. So maybe this finally, is the point. They're finally an underdog. I just think everyone's fading Clemson. A lot of people are on Pittsburgh, but I unfortunately have them rated very, very similar. I mean, they're pretty much even teams. Pitt three points for home. I've got it on three, so I don't want to make it a bet when I don't have value myself. Yeah. But I definitely lean Clemson. I mean, one of these games, they're going to be Clemson. It's not like, again, this is the exact same team that they were before the season started. Right. All that's changed is our perception of them with a couple losses. So I definitely lean Clemson. I think they're a much better team than what they've shown. But based on my power rankings, which, look, if I don't follow these, what good are they? I have it at three. So it's not a bet yet for me. Yeah, it's an interesting like, kind of thought experiment to wonder like when... Because, I mean, look, we're also used to seeing Clemson dominate the ACC now for like seven years. Like, at what point does the hype die down? Because obviously, they've been overvalued in the market this whole season if they're 0-6 against the spread. Right. At what point does the market catch up? At what point does the public start to say, well, I'm not going to bet on them? Like, I still feel like there's going to be a good portion of the betting public that just sees that name Clemson plus three and goes, oh my gosh, I have to bet that they're, they're underdogs against Pitt. You know what I mean? And so I, that's that's an interesting uh, just kind of question mark, especially in this game to me, because I don't think that Pitt is really ever a public favorite. But but that's the thing. Is Pitt is, is this a the lot week? better than people think? I actually, and this is going to sound crazy, I have both of these teams in my top 10. That, is, that does sound insane. I know it does. Clemson in your top 10? I have Clemson 10th overall. No way. Yes. That, I, I, would, I would have never guessed that. But that is the difference, again, between right. overreacting to wins and losses. I would have Clemson favored today against Oklahoma State, against yeah. Notre Dame, against wow. Iowa or Michigan. So Oklahoma State, I'm but, shocked. But I would have Pitt favored against all them as well. Pitt okay. and Clemson are tied in my rankings. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think Pitt's a lot better than people think, but... I think Clemson is not as bad as people right. think for sure. And since they're tied in the rankings, that's why you have them a three-point favor because they are at home. Exactly. And okay. home and home for Pittsburgh is, is worth about three points this week. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I think Pittsburgh plays at Heinz Field where the Steelers play, right? They don't have their own so, yeah. special stadium. Yeah. I do wonder if they'll break out their classic but, but, jerseys here. But it's here. not just the, the loudness of the crowd. You have to factor in Clemson traveling, how they've done there before, sure. what's it like in Pittsburgh, what are the how familiar is Clemson with the hotels. I mean, we go deep with this right. stuff. So. Yeah, no doubt. All right, moving on. So we're both... Actually 
actually, you're you're kind of leaning Clemson, but you're you're not betting either way. I'm, right. I'm going with Pitt minus three. We move on to the Big Ten. Michigan at Northwestern. Michigan, a 23-and-a-half-point favorite at Northwestern. Ooh. Northwestern, look, they get the upset at home against Rutgers. Pat Fitzgerald makes me feel stupid, just like I said I was scared <laughs> he would last week. Sure did. I love that Rutgers bet. And what does Northwestern do coming off the bye? They beat him, I think, 21-7. to It really wasn't close at all. And uh, it was just killer for me. And it, that's why I don't like betting against uh, Pat Fitzgerald. And sure enough, he did exactly what I said he would. He made me look like a complete idiot. Uh, and look, now Michigan's coming off the bye week. Northwestern gets uh, in the win column, a big win for them. And now Michigan has the had the week off to prepare for this. You know, look, I don't think that we have to worry about this being an upset alert game for Michigan. But if you just look at their history of traveling to Evanston, Illinois, you know, in the last nine games they've played at Northwestern dating back to 1996, Michigan hasn't covered a number this high at all. Most of these games are one score. Uh, you have a couple that maybe get to like 18 or whatever. They've, they've pretty much never beaten them by 20 or more at Northwestern, and they rarely even do that when they're playing in Ann Arbor either. I think this is a classic, you know, matchup where Michigan always has this like this name and this brand and this image and Northwestern always feels like an underdog and Pat Fitzgerald is so good at playing that underdog card and even though Michigan has the week off even though Northwestern up until this game against the uh, Rutgers had been terrible at defending the run and Michigan is a really good running team this year you look at what they did against Rutgers they were able to keep Northwest or uh, excuse me Rutgers from running the ball at all uh, North uh, Northwestern completely shut that down I think that Northwestern covers this spread, and I think they might cover it easily. I could see this game being Michigan winning by 10, 13 points. I don't, I don't see them getting you know, to the point where they beat them by 24 enough to cover this. I think this is an overreaction greatly for Michigan. I mean, Michigan's look good so far, but whew, 23 points. It's that's a lot. so many points for this kind of a matchup. I definitely lean Northwestern. Michigan's good. Michigan may even be great, but for them to put it together, it's kind of like the – I hate to bring this back to the NFL – but the Denver Broncos, we're from Denver, they started 3-0 this year. And yep. everyone's buying their Broncos stock. It's like, can we hold on a second? Let's not overreact. Same thing here with Michigan. I mean, I know they've done well, but to now, this now puts them in like, you know, Alabama territory. I mean, right. 23 points is so much. It's so a big number. That's too many for me. I think it's an overreaction, and I'd definitely go uh, Northwestern. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I hate, you know, for me, I love looking at historically with matchups. You know, look, like Wisconsin is a team that every time they go to Northwestern, it's a complete dogfight. They lose a lot of times, even when they're the better team. It's a tough place to play for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. It's not like it's a big stadium. It's not especially loud. But Northwestern just always plays bigger teams good at home. And for this to be 23 and a half, I just think it's way too easy to take yeah. Northwestern here. So a lot of points. We're both leaning with the Wildcats. Uh, moving on, BYU going on the road at Washington State. BYU, a four and a half point road favorite. This is a massive point swing since Nick Rolovich got fired. This was one and a half at open. Then we find out that Nick Rolovich is fired as head coach of Washington State. Now we're looking at four and a half. Look, BYU should be the better team in almost every category, I feel. But Washington State had started to play some teams tougher the last few weeks. They played Stanford really tough. I think they won that game. You know, they've been a team that I don't think they're great by any means, but they were kind of just playing above expectations. And to me, they're dangerous from the standpoint that 
These players are emotional. They're, they could be pissed off. They lose their coach and four assistants, by the way, who also got fired for the same reason. You know, are are they going to go out there and play with extra motivation in this spot because everyone's going to be doubting them and saying, "Hey, we lost our coach." A lot of times, it's easy for the interim head coach to play that card and say, "No one's giving you a shot right now. Let's go and prove that we're still the same team that that got these wins earlier in the year." We talked about motivation and emotion being a big part in college football and. I, to me, I I see a Washington State team that, you know, could be very motivated and come out very good, or they could, you know, if things if BYU gets on them early, we could see things fall apart entirely because you are losing a head coach and four assistants. I think I'm leaning BYU here, but I'm very hesitant to do it just just for that reason. I'm on BYU, and this okay. is a big play for me. It's a power as a power ratings play without their coach uh, Rolovich. 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 Um, I have BYU minus five. Okay. okay. With the coaching adjustment, even if it's a point and a half, I've got it up to six and a half. So I still have value. I think it was greatly shaded towards uh, uh, Washington State earlier because of what we've seen recently from BYU. But that's no reason, again, to overreact to those results. BYU is still a good team. Uh, four and a half, I'll take it. Okay. Love it. So we're both on BYU then. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying in the Pac-12, Oregon at UCLA. UCLA currently a two-point home favorite. Mm-hmm. This game opened up as a pick em. A lot of money coming in on UCLA. To me, this is kind of a battle of disappointing teams with a lot of talent. I mean, Oregon, just from a talent perspective on paper, should be way too much for UCLA. This should be, I think, a top five team in the country, but they're kind of just underachievers. Anthony Brown is very up and down. They had that huge win against Ohio State earlier in the year, and since then, they've been very disappointing. They lost that game to Stanford. The offense you know, hasn't looked good the last few weeks. Now, the offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, he was out with an illness. I think he had COVID or something. Then, uh, he, so he couldn't coach one game. The next week, he was coaching or calling plays from the booth, which he normally doesn't do. They had some issues with that. This week, he is back calling plays on the field. So you maybe could see an uptick in the Oregon offense there. But for me, this is just like I, these are two teams that I don't really want to trust either way, especially with Oregon. Like uh, every time I bet against Oregon, they do well, and every time I bet for them, they they don't do well. And so for that reason, I think I'm probably leaning UCLA at home here. I just think that these are two teams where we have no idea what they are, what their defense is, a lot of talent, but neither team seems to put it together on a week-by-week basis. So I think ultimately I'm going to go with the home team here, UCLA. What's the spread? Two points. UCLA minus two? Yep. <sighs> that's that's pretty close to what I have. Look, I think UCLA has some mismatches here on the running game on both sides. Now, UCLA runs the ball very well. The Ducks have struggled stopping the run especially since that Ohio State game. What we all remember is the Ducks beat Ohio State. And a lot of people put the bookmark in the season, and that's what they remember about the Ducks. But they've gotten worse and worse every game defensively, especially the rush defense. UCLA ripping off rushing yards. They do a great job. And on the other hand, UCLA haven't recorded... Well, this is still their offense. They haven't recorded fewer than 200 rushing yards in a game. And like I wow. said, Oregon, Oregon struggling. So UCLA runs the football. And on the other hand, the Bruins have a huge mismatch. Their rush defense is amazing. And Oregon actually wants to keep it on the ground. Yep. So I think both sides of the football are going to see UCLA uh, dominating the rush. Well, let's not say dominating, but winning the rush game battle. Okay. And two points seems accurate, but it's still at that number to where I would take UCLA not a lot of value, but I think there's maybe some hidden things that aren't showing in the numbers that still may lead us to to the Bruins' path. So I'll go to UCLA. I think they show up, run the football, stop the run, and I think after this weekend, 
uh, Oregon is going to ruin any chance that Pac-12 has to get in the playoff. Yeah, very possible. I mean, it kind of feels like they already don't have a chance. I guess if Oregon wins uh, they out... They have an outside chance. Let me pull up... Uh, PFF currently has them as a percentage chance to make the playoffs at... Um, Let me guess. Hang on. I'm, I'm going to guess 18%. That's my guess. Four percent. Oh, geez, that's, four, that's not good. Four, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Four percent to make the playoffs and a twenty-three percent chance to win the conference. So I mean, look, here's an interesting. I mean, look, they beat Ohio State. I think right now with the with the adjustments you've seen Ohio State make on defense since that, and and kind of where we've seen Oregon fall backwards like you said regress a little bit i think if they replay that game ohio state wins for sure and it'll be really interesting because if if one of those playoff spots comes down to two one loss you know a one loss oregon a one loss ohio state where they're playing differently but oregon beat them at at ohio state like what, what is the committee going to do yeah, at that point no, exactly there's so many of these different little yeah things you can throw in but I think Ohio State is so much better than they played on that day. I agree. So much I totally better. agree. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, look, this game to me is going to come down to which quarterback wants to show up. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, same thing with, with Anthony Brown. I mean, they're, these guys are super talented and just never seem to, to string four or five games together when it comes to that. And so whichever one of these quarterbacks plays the best, I think ultimately they'll win the game. But it probably is going to also come down to the running game, like Tyler mentioned. And he's given the nod to UCLA, and I'm going to lean that way as well. Uh, moving to the Big 12, massive matchup. I can't like this is such a fascinating like we got to talk about the gambling perspective of this especially Tyler Oklahoma State going on the road at Iowa State Iowa State a seven point home favorite right now that seems insane I mean look uh, Iowa State struggled they lost to Iowa they lost to Baylor they've kind of they're flying under the radar they're playing a little bit better but even still to be at home against an undefeated Oklahoma State team that already has big wins under their belt they just beat Texas they had a tough win on the road at Boise State I mean, how is this not like a stinking rat line at this point, Tower? I mean, I'm sure you're jumping on Oklahoma State plus seven here, but like, why? Why is the market valuing Ohio State or excuse me, Iowa State at so much right now? Uh, well, this is what's interesting about the uh, lines is the the bookmakers' objective is to split the difference in the money. So right. the bookmakers want fifty percent on one side, fifty percent of the money on the other side. They pay the winners with the losers' money, and they take the extra 10% for their troubles. That's the business model. So they don't actually try and come up with an accurate point spread. They try and come up with a point spread where half people will bet one side, half will bet the other. That's where we have an advantage. They don't make point spreads for me or, or betters. They make it for the general public. Right. That's what this is about. The, the general public thinks, oh, Iowa State's a lot better. They haven't probably watched Oklahoma State a lot this year. They probably think Oklahoma State's wins are flukes. This is one of the biggest mismatches I've had in my numbers in a long time. Now, last week, when you told me the Texas-Oklahoma State spread, and that was off by about five points, this one's off by about seven points. I've got Oklahoma State much better than Iowa State. I've got this line. I think Ohio State, or I don't know why I keep saying Ohio State. I think Oklahoma State should be about two-point favorites. This is crazy. This is nine points off. So and I could. the reason I said seven... I could maybe find factors to work it down to a pick em, but there's no way. I think Iowa State should be seven-point favorites. So I think this is pure perception. I think this is trying to split the money down the middle. It should come down because a lot of the pro money should drive it down, but I love this bet. I'm taking Oklahoma State. This is crazy to me, and I think they have a chance to win on the road. So I think it's more about the perception of the average college football fan and what the bookies think the people will bet on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I do feel like, you know, these are two teams that kind of play similar. They have strong defenses. They want to run the ball. Uh, they both have talented quarterbacks who are a little shaky at times. You know, we've seen Brock Purdy be really bad so far this year. Some of those lot like that loss to Iowa, I still just uh, re- replaying that in my mind is like it felt like they should have won that game. And I know that, that these things are you always factor it in, but they had really costly turnovers at bad points. And I feel like similar to how you were saying about when we were talking about Clemson versus Pitt is like, when is Clemson going to look like Clemson? And I don't think Iowa state has looked like what, what Iowa state, you know, could be, and this could be that game. And maybe that's what the market is seeing. I still, there's no way I'm picking Iowa state by seven at home here. I'm not that stupid. You know, I, I, I still think that Iowa state is a good team, but with how well Oklahoma state has played against everyone at this point, and they continue to be underdogs. This seems insane. It's not like Iowa State's coming off a bye week. They had to play Kansas State last week. Both these both these teams had games last week, and so I just don't see how anyone could possibly pick Iowa State in this moment, unless you're just blind and all you're picturing is what football, what what the these teams look like last year. Right. That's the thing. I think there there hasn't been enough of an adjustment, and I think there's still too much preseason numbers being baked into this and you never want to act like these numbers are so off because that's how you get into trouble and lose money but i do believe this one's off i think oklahoma state's better than this now i think you're right iowa state at some point should get back to playing that kind of championship-esque level football but i personally never thought they were really on that level i mean they're still they still have the big 12 championship potentially in sight if they they only have the one loss to baylor if they can get some help from there and they they run the table, then maybe they have a chance. It's slim, but it's certainly there. But like, even if you you are just like a really casual college football better and you haven't been paying attention, and that's why you know the 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 betting public is picking Iowa State here. Like, if you're that like blind and you haven't seen what's going on this year, you'd think they'd look at the rankings and see that Oklahoma State is ranked number eight in the country and undefeated, and Iowa State's not even ranked. And so, like, why even if you're that much of a square better? To where you haven't watched any football this year, like it's still it, there's something confusing about that that actually makes me nervous here as far as like Look, why the market is valuing I, Iowa State. This is usually a strength of mine where I can come in and say, no, here's why the numbers so different. Right. But I actually agree. I mean, I think at the end all be all for me are my power rankings. I put a lot into these, and I think they carry a decent amount of weight. I mean, I could publish these if I wanted to, but I, I choose to keep these for myself. But I don't think that this is an overreaction on that part because I, I again I look at my rankings I've got Ohio State like like Iowa State oh my god Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State. <laughs> we keep saying Ohio I, know, State. I know both Ohio. of you are terrible yeah. right Dude, now. this is so bad <laughs> Dude, this game I've got Oklahoma State substantially better I think they are a much better football team and I, I agree I, so you're right there's kind of an element even at this point in my career where I still go that scares me. I right. don't like when it's so far off and it's so obvious. Right, like what are we missing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I really don't think there's much. I checked the injury reports. I checked if anyone has COVID and there's nothing. So I'm not so sure. It does make me a little hesitant, but I'm telling you, it's 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 one of my favorite bets of the weekend. Yeah. And Oklahoma may, State plus seven. Especially too, like if it was like Oklahoma State plus two, then at that point I might be like, okay, whatever. They expect a close game because both of these teams have pretty good defenses. They want to run the ball. Like the idea that, that Iowa State is just going to run away and win this game by 10 doesn't seem likely to me at all because 
Oklahoma State's got such a good defense. It seems insane. It's crazy to me. Okay. So, so we're both on the Cowboys. Yeah, we are. All right, moving Oklahoma on. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. <laughs> we're both on Oklahoma State. The Cowboys. <laughs> uh, SEC, oh Tennessee at Alabama. An old school rivalry. It hasn't been very close recently, but these are still rivals by Third Saturday in October. Some people's yeah, some people's standards. Although the line doesn't show it's gonna be much of a close game. Alabama currently a twenty five point home favorite to Tennessee. Look, this is interesting because Tennessee is a team that I think has a lot of value in the betting world right now just because they still I think a lot of people are still saying this is a bad team because they've been so bad for so long and their offense has gotten much better they had a really good showing against Ole Miss uh, unfortunate ending you know but I mean, this is just like uh, Tennessee's offense has been so much better this year but their defense hasn't been very good they did play a lot better against Ole Miss on Saturday no doubt but are they going to be able to slow down an Alabama offense I just don't see any way that you could pick that right now and and as much as this number is huge and I like to say maybe Tennessee can score and stay motivated if they were at home I think it'd be a different story but having to go at Alabama especially after that tough loss to Ole Miss I just don't know how you can pick you know, the volunteers in this spot. I mean, it's too many points, 25. I don't feel comfortable with any team. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's, it's a, a stay lot. away I mean, for, for I, Tyler. Yeah, I stay away from that okay. one. Okay. It's I also mean, Saban. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Don't, I don't, don't bet, bet against, against Saban. Saban. <laughs> yeah, that's my rule. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Look, it's, I, I don't know if I, I mean, if I have to pick, I'd probably lean, I'd probably lean Bama, but it, it is a big number. I do think that we could see Tennessee score some points here. It's going to depend on, how well if if Hendon Hooker is playing if he's healthy where the run game is at as far as that goes but the worst thing that Tennessee's got going for him is that Bama has that one loss and is no longer number one ranked exactly. and they're motivated exactly so all right so we're both on uh, Al- oh your stay away I'm leaving yeah. Alabama <laughs> we're ending in the uh, SEC as well LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss currently a nine and a half point home favorite. And Tyler, does the I know that we don't want to overreact to wins and losses from one week, like we saw LSU beating Florida at home last week. But for me, the biggest question again is motivation for Coach O for for the players. Is Coach O maybe going to be more focused all of a sudden to prove something, to prove to the to you know all of his doubters that hey, I can still coach. I know I'm getting fired because. I, you know, the things haven't been good. Is he going to be somehow extra motivated? Do the players want to go out and get a big win for Coach O? Like, wh- where where does that factor into your betting at all? Well, it definitely factors in, but I'm going the other way with it. I think we got the max effort last week, and I think we see a letdown oh, this okay. week. okay. Interesting. I don't believe that a resignation announcement is enough to get the team to play hard for another month and a half. Right. I think it's enough to get these 18, 19-year-olds to get excited for one week. Right. They get a huge upset win, and all they're hearing this week is, oh, great job, great job, great job. Pat on the back. Remember, Edo's going. You have no idea who coach is going to be next year. I see a big letdown here. I like Ole Miss minus the nine, and uh, this is two ways. I think Ole Miss realizes they may have escaped with one last week, get the win, focus this week, a hyper-focus Lane Kiffin, and it's the opposite for uh, Ed Orgeron and LSU. So nine points is a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, Ole Miss minus a nine. Because of that factor, big letdown this week from LSU. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to bet LSU here. The only thing, though, that concerns me is that LSU, we finally saw like the offense. The, the, we know that LSU has some talent on offense. Mac Johnson, a quarter, Max Johnson, a quarterback. And that if they want, if they play well, they can score. And what worries me is that while Ole Miss, you know, we know that that they have a good offense. We don't know. It sounds like Matt Corral is a little beat up. Uh, it sounds like, you know, we don't know if he's going to be fully healthy, if he's even going to be able to play. But the thing that concerns me is that we've seen teams that have good offenses 
be able to score on this Ole Miss defense. And even though I definitely think Ole Miss wins this game at home, you know, it worries me that Tennessee, that they only beat Tennessee by five and they only beat Arkansas by one point on a missed two point conversion. You know, that's what kind of concerns me here as far as a nine and a half point spread is that I don't know that Ole Miss's defense is good enough to, to keep LSU just, you know, from, from staying within one score. I think ultimately I'm probably leaning LSU plus nine and a half on this game. I still think Ole Miss wins, but if this game was under a touchdown, I'd be much more inclined to jump on the Rebels here. But I think that nine and a half might just be too much considering that their defense isn't all that good. And we don't know what Matt Corral's health is like right now for Ole Miss. Should we make that our bet board game? Um, we don't have one yet, do we? Is that is this our last game of the week? Yes, it is. And did we have any other game that we... The one that we were debating was Clemson-Pitt, and where I'd take Clemson. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Would you rather take Clemson plus three or Ole Miss minus nine and a half? Um, I would rather take... Uh, Ole Miss is playing at home, right? Yep. They're playing at home. Big win against Tennessee last weekend. I would rather take Ole Miss minus nine and a half. Okay, let's do it. I'll take. I, I will take LSU plus nine and a half. Okay, uh, and my reasoning for that is not about Clemson, like we said. It's about Pitt. Pitt's got a lot of unknowns for me, sure. and Pitt is a team that has a lot of volatile outcomes when you do projections. So I could see Clemson winning that game, looking like we all thought Clemson would look. But there's a huge unknown with Pittsburgh, and I'm not confident enough to bet against Pittsburgh in that situation. So I like my angle of LSU having a down week. Uh, I think uh, Ole Miss bounces back. You're right, Matt Corral, question mark right now. But yeah. um, I'll go LSU, minus nine and a half. Or excuse me, Ole Miss, minus nine minus and a half. Minus nine and a half. All right, I'll take LSU. I'll roll with Coach O. Will roll with, with Coach O. And uh, Smitty, we need Smitty's pick of the week. You didn't You didn't get the win last no, week. No, I didn't. So, two and so three. what's kind of funny is how we were talking, kind of the theme of today is not overreacting to wins or losses and I think I overreacted a little bit to that win last week uh, with A&M beating Bama you know I thought they were going to be really beat up um, turns out Missouri is just not that good yeah. and um, so I'm going to stay with that theme uh, of, of not overreacting to wins or losses um, and I'm going to go Wisconsin and Purdue right now Wisconsin's minus three uh, on the road um, I think um, yeah I'm not going to overreact to the uh, to Purdue beating Iowa and I'm going Wisconsin minus three I love it especially that could be a letdown you know, big win yeah, for Purdue. Exactly. Let down moment at, at home, home after that big win at Iowa. I like that a lot. Yeah, there you Wisconsin go. Wisconsin minus three. All right, I'm going to make another parlay. It didn't hit last week. <laughs> it got close. The, the grind continues. I'm telling you, we're in week eight and we haven't you know, hit one yet. You know, it's funny is is Tyler called me on Saturday and told me that, you know, you needed to throw in a parlay and he was like, yeah, all right. So here's what we're rooting for. Yeah, I told him. <laughs> so since I was in California, I couldn't use my fan duel. And, and at that point, I didn't have my login info for bet us and so you know i basically i needed tyler to put in a bet for me a parlay and guess what happened i went three or four <laughs> it wasn't the parlay i gave out on the pod but and i you used lost a couple the of the very those. last one yeah the very last yeah. and that's always how it goes for me <laughs> so we're gonna make a little four gamer with these bets i'm gonna go pit minus three northwestern plus 23 and a half we're gonna go byu minus four and a half and oklahoma state plus seven that's the four this is the week. Chalk I can it just, up. I can feel it. I'm, I, I can feel it. It's definitely happening this week. I love it. Um, thanks for listening, guys. That's it for the, for this week's show. We'll be back on Monday again next week. Uh, no more Wednesday shows, it looks like. So once again, follow us on Twitter, at CFB underscore POD. 
subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, share with your friends, bet with BetUS, use our promo code tailgate, help out the show. We'll see you next week.